Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Hi, this is Jack Canfield, co-author of the Chicken Soup for the Soul series. Hey, this is Ed Milet from World Financial Group. And if you want to be the best networker you can be. And I want you to learn how to max out the relationships in your life. You should be listening to the Build Your Network podcast. The Build Your Network podcast. With my good friend, Travis Chapel. Travis Chapel. Welcome back to the show. I believe that who you know is more important than what you know. If you agree, then keep on listening for tips on how to cultivate meaningful connections the right way. If you disagree, then tune in anyway to let me prove you wrong with my journey. My name is Travis Chapel, and this is the Build Your Network Podcast. Hey there, welcome back to another compilation episode here on the Build Your Network podcast. We are currently in the middle of a series about mentorship and masterminds, and I cannot wait to share all of the golden nuggets in today's episode with you all. But first, you hear my guests and I talk a lot about masterminds on the show, especially in this segment. If this is a new term to you, or you've always kind of wondered exactly what a mastermind is or what it does or why you should join one or how much they are, where you can find them, all those different types of details, you are definitely going to want to take my free mastermind course. It is everything you need to know about masterminds in just six short lessons. It's 100% free, so there's literally no reason to not at least see what it's about. Just head over to freemmcourse.com slash enroll, freemmcourse.com slash enroll to grab that course. It's totally free and start that today. What's up? Welcome back to another compilation episode here on the Bilge Network podcast. This is episode 226, and today we're starting a new series on overcoming rejection. This is actually a really 
tiny series. It's only two parts, but there's so much good value jam-packed in these episodes. Today's episode is going to be featuring Ed Milet, Jack Canfield, and me, and we're all talking about how to overcome rejection. Ed Milet is the chairman of World Financial Group, which is a really, really large uh, life insurance financial planning company, basically. So when you really strip it all down, Ed got his half a billion dollar net worth. That's right, half a billion dollar net worth basically by being an insurance salesman. I mean, I know there's so much more to it, but when you really break it down, that's what it was. And he got so many rejections throughout the course of his career, not just from potential clients that he was pitching, but also from friends and family members that told him that he was absolutely crazy for doing what he was doing. So Ed has really gone through that and has so much great content around how to overcome rejection the right way. And then we bring on Jack Canfield, who is the author of Chicken Soup for the Soul. It is such a crazy story about that book. It was rejected by 144 publishers. Let that sink in. 144 publishers said no to this book, and yet Jack still kept going for the yes. And now, after it's been published, that book, along with every other book in the series, has now been sold over half a billion times throughout the world. So Ed Milet shares his secrets, Jack Canfield shares some of his, and then I'll come on at the end and share some of my tactics for overcoming rejection. I was in door-to-door sales for a really long time, five, six, seven years. I've knocked on thousands and thousands of doors. I've been told no in several different colorful, creative ways. And then now with the podcast, reaching out to a lot of people that I respect and admire that I really want to bring on the show, people whose opinion that I actually care about And then them telling me no, I've learned to overcome rejection in a lot of different ways. So this is going to be an episode jam-packed full of value on how to really overcome rejection the right way. But before we get into that, you guys hear me talk about the who you know versus the what you know thing a lot here on the show. And one of the number one examples that I bring up, one of the primary ways that I try to paint a picture for people to understand what I'm talking about is through the theme park explanation. So What I mean by that is say you're at a theme park with you and your friends and your friends want to go to ride the next ride. You want to go get a drink at the cafe. They move on. You go get a drink. By the time you're done, you come back. Your friends are up at the front of the line. What do you do? You don't just stand there at the back of the line and then wait in line like everybody else. No, your friends call you up to the front of the line and now you get to go straight to the front of the line. You don't just get to transport there. You have to walk the same steps, but the point is you get there a lot faster. You get to the front of the line a lot faster. And that's exactly how I liken uh, networking to this entire story is that if you know the right people, you can skip ahead in life. You can get through to the end a lot faster in life. So um, there are a lot of different ways that you can kind of jump up to the front of the line. Now you can't transport there. You still have to walk the same steps, but you just get to do them a lot faster. So along those same lines, I created this VIP day experience with me. So if you want to have access to my network, if you want to have access to some of the knowledge that I've been able to accumulate in my career, then I'm offering this VIP day. I call it a fast pass experience because I want it to really be about the connections and the network that I've been able to build up through the year. So if this is something that interests you at all, having a VIP day, a fast pass day with me here in Las Vegas at the office, I would love to have you come out and really take a deep dive into either launching your podcast or creating a a large networking strategy for you in 2019. Whatever it would be that you'd want to tackle, we could really fit into that plan for that one VIP day. And we'll make it a whole customizable experience to you based on what kind of food you like to eat. We'll do some different experiences out here in Vegas. So I'd love to have you come out for that. If that's something that you're interested in at all, head over to travischapel.com slash coaching. That's travischapel.com 
slash coaching to send in a quick application. Make sure you check the VIP fast pass day there in, in the application. And hopefully I will see you out here in Vegas sometime. And now without any further ado, please enjoy Overcoming Rejection part number one with Ed Milet, Jack Canfield, and yours truly. So partner up with Mark Victor Hansen and you write the book. You said that you did a lot of meditation, that both of you did a lot of meditation to try to come up with a name for the book. Yeah, yeah. Right? And you guys were really stoked about it, but then the publishers that you called weren't that yeah. stoked about it. Well, what happened was we didn't have a title and we had an agent. We were going to go to New York with this agent that we oh. met at a conference and said, we can't push the book without a title. So Mark and I are both meditators. So we said, well, let's meditate for a week and see what we come up with. So I just would close my eyes and say, you know, God, I'm open to a title. And nothing happened for two and a half days. And then on Wednesday morning, third day, this big chalkboard appeared. The hand came out and wrote the words chicken soup on it in my mind. And I said to the hand, what the hell does chicken soup have to do with this book? <laughs> and the voice said, when you were sick as a child, your grandmother gave you chicken soup. I said, but this is not a book about sick people. <laughs> it sounds delicious. but He says, yeah. and so the voice said, people's spirits are sick. They're living in resignation, hopelessness, and fear. And this was the first Gulf War in 1993. So it was like the recent recession we had. And we had like, you know, 30, 40% unemployment. A lot of places, people's incomes were way down. People were being laid off. So I went chicken soup for the soul. I got goosebumps. Called Mark. He got goosebumps. Told my wife she got goosebumps. Our agent got goosebumps. Went to New York. 21 meetings in three days. Nobody got goosebumps. (laughs) And they said, it's just a dumb title. So we ended up going to the Book Expo America, which is where all the bookstore owners come for the big convention. All the publishers are there. We went booth to booth to booth for three days. And on the third day, after I think about 144 rejections, one person said, well, we'll look at it. <laughs> and three days later, they said, we'll publish it. So we get an advance, no advance, but we'll give you 20 cents of every dollar that we bring in. And the book went on to sell over 10 million copies in the U.S. and wow. probably about 100 million around the world now, as you said in the intro, half a billion books sold in, yeah, exactly. I think it's 48 countries now. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a, a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is, uh, the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is, is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash 
Travis. Just go to Indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. I like how you said it was about 144 rejections, even though you knew the exact number because <laughs> yeah. you knew exactly how many people turned you down. For- I, we kept track. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I actually really found, recently found all the rejection letters. Oh, really? And it took everything in me not to just staple a bestseller for your friends. <laughs> I just send them back. Yeah. I thought that is totally vindictive, Jack. Do not do that. You're, yeah. you're better than that. Yeah, totally. They're all over the place. Yeah. What would you say, like during that time when you were getting a, a bunch of just rejections, 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 mm-hmm. was there ever a time specifically with the name where you were like, hey, we're open to workshopping the name if you'll you know, come with us on this? Or was it just always like? I trusted the name. And everyone we talked to that wasn't a publisher loved the name. You know? okay. so, and this was what was happening too. I knew people loved the stories. <laughs> I get standing ovations. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. People in New York were more jaded. There's a more cynical attitude toward feel-good stuff, you know, mm-hmm. syrupy and nicey-nice, Pollyanna, all that kind of stuff. But another thing that happened, this was critical too, and people should know, it goes back to being creative. Mm-hmm. I said to one publisher, when people give you a no, one of the questions that's really valuable is what would have to happen for you to say yes? Yeah. That's a killer question. And this one publisher said, we'd need to know we could sell 20,000 copies. If we could sell 20,000 copies, that covers all our costs for developing, printing, typesetting, all that stuff. So I said, so if I can prove to you that, he said, yeah. So for the next six months, everywhere Mark and I went, we put a piece of paper on every seat and every audience, 100 people, 1,000 people. And it said, I promise to buy X number of copies of Chicken Soup of the Soul when it's published. Those are addresses before emails, I think. And so what happened was when we got 20,000 promises to buy, mm-hmm. a couple of bankers boxes full of these things, one guy promised to buy 1,000 copies. Oh, wow. We took them down to the publisher and said, look. Yeah. And so that's part of why I think when we finally met him at the conference again on day three, he said yes. So you did all of that before this conference. Yes. So you got 144 no's with 20,000 people saying, we'll buy your book. Yes. Wow. That's incredible. Was there a point in there where you were just like completely frustrated with people? Like, I have people who want to buy this book. I just need you to publish it. And they were still saying, no, I feel like I would just be so frustrated. Like, like yeah. do you understand what's <laughs> like, I no don't remember right having that feeling. I just, yeah. it was kind of like next, 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 okay. next, next, yeah. next. You know, it's just like knocking someone, on doors. Someone, so what, next, yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's like Brian Tracy said, if you want your kids to grow up really powerful, make sure they do door-to-door sales at least for one summer. <laughs> because, that's good. You know, you I've, realize that's after what a while. I've done for six years. Yeah. So. <laughs> but see, you're there because yeah. what you realize is there's always a yes somewhere mm-hmm. and you're yeah. going to get a lot of rejections. And then, well, over time, what happens, because we, when the book came out, we started calling multi-level marketing companies because they could buy big batches of the mm-hmm. books. We got hung up on, we got, you know, people like, we couldn't even get the whole word out and the people would hang up on us, yeah. you know, but eventually one company said, yes, they got a thousand books. They hired me as a keynote speaker. Oh, wow. I was able to then go and say to another company, we just did this with Discovery Toys. And so once you know there's a cycle of like, maybe you get a yes out of every 10 no's or 25 no's or whatever it is, then, then you you have that experience. Yeah. But if you don't have it, most people give up after you know, like five or six no's. I was talking right. to a state senator in New Jersey and they have to fundraise literally a couple hours a day, mm-hmm. every year, all day long. And she said after five or six no's, she just gave up. But after she did that nine nose exercise, yeah. she says, now I just, I go for no. Don't even think about know? it. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. I think people just give up on too small of a sample size. There you go. Like they, they talk to seven people and are like, oh, well, never mind. You know, exactly. like I talked to the market and the market didn't want it. It's like, right. no, you took a way too small of a sample size right. of what the market is. One of my students is a ex-con and he now teaches people coming out of 
prison to be successful mm-hmm. using my principles and some of his own. And one of the things you'll hear prisoners say, I can't get a job because now I've got a record. Well, how many jobs do you apply for? Ten. They all said no. So obviously ten. no one's hiring a felon, you know, whatever. Right. And it's like, come on. Yeah. Yeah. Ten. <laughs> People without, yeah. without criminal backgrounds have to ask more than that. Right. Yeah, exactly. What is your best advice for handling rejection. I think a lot of people take it really, really personally. And there's a bunch of things that I've tried to study in order to be able to help people that I'm training uh, to get over these things. What's your take on that? Yeah. Okay. Let me give you my best on this because I think that there's all these things people teach every nose closer to a yes. And you can rationally think that, but when it's happening, that doesn't help you. Okay. Mm -hmm. Right. The, The symptom is that rejection's hurting you. Okay. The disease, listen, is your lack of self-confidence. That's the disease. And here's how it works. Self-confidence is really self-trust. When I meet someone who's self-confidence, let me tell you what I know about them. They have built a reputation with themselves of keeping the promises they make to themselves. And over time, if you keep the promises you make to yourself, you grow your self-confidence. That's the key to growing self-confidence is you keep the promises you make to yourself, whether that's a certain amount of phone calls, a certain amount of doors, a certain amount of appointments, certain time you get up in the morning, certain amount of behavior, where you eat, whatever it is, certain amount of times you pray a day. I don't know what it is. When you begin to keep promises to yourself, you explode your self-confidence over time, which means you have an impeccable relationship with yourself. When you have an impeccable relationship with yourself, You are unconcerned and unfazed with your reputation with others. Other people's opinions of you and your reputation with other people is meaningless. What is meaningful is your character. And so that pain that you're feeling when you're being rejected is just illuminating the disease of lack of self-confidence. So the key is to begin to work on your self-confidence because in the game of life, your life is like a movie. You are the leading character of that life, and your loved ones that you're doing this for are the leading characters, the best supporting actors, the leading woman, the leading man, right? Your family. At the end of a movie, if you watch the credits, listen to me, everybody. You watch the credits. Watch it. In the beginning, it says, you know, Robert De Niro, leading actor, Meryl Streep, leading woman. It goes through the lead characters. But if you watch long enough, all of a sudden towards the end, doesn't it say, like, taxi cab driver number two? They don't even name them. (laughs) Right. Guy in the background of the bar, number four, (laughs) fight scene guy, number eight, right? Okay. What most people screw up in their life is they live their lives not worrying enough about what the leading characters think, and they spend their lives obsessing about taxi cab driver number two. (laughs) And until you begin to live your life for the leading character, you and your family, and you separate from worrying all the time about what taxi cab number driver three thinks. And those are the people rejecting you. You got to go into those appointments with self-confidence, knowing your intentions are good, knowing you're there to serve them, having a great reputation with yourself and their response, your reputation with them is inconsequential. And so I can honestly tell you, I'm not going to tell you that rejection never hurts me because I want to be life like most people, Mm -hmm. but I'm not arrogant, but I'm self-confident. And so I know my reputation with you doesn't matter because I know what my character is. I know what my intentions are. Mm -hmm. And so by focusing on your self-confidence, your intentions, your character, and the leading characters of your life and reminding yourself, it's not that these people aren't valuable that are rejecting you, but in your life, they're taxi cab driver number three, man. They are not going to show up in the pages of the book of your life one way or the other. The other people are, which is who you're doing this for. And so I guess it's one of those, it's a long way of also saying your why has to be massive. I can just tell you, when I train people, I'm working on their disease all the time, not the symptoms. Hmm. So would you say then that 
self-confidence, working on your self-confidence, making more deposits in your confidence bank than you're making withdrawals in your confidence bank. Would you say that that would, if you were to boil it down to kind of one thing that allows you to be able to handle rejection, to keep going, to stay committed to your purpose, would that really all boil down to self-confidence? Here's the irony of it. Yes. And, and it's all what you give yourself credit for. Here's what's amazing. You made those 10 door knocks, right? Yeah. Okay. If you're obsessed with self-confidence, if that's what, what your obsession was, right? Then actually what just happened when you knocked those 10 doors is you kept that promise you made to yourself. It, no, regardless of the outcome, your self-confidence should have grown because you kept the promise you made to yourself. Hmm. The mistake people make is they go keep the promise they make to themselves. And instead of focusing on that, they focus on the response from yes. taxi, cab, taxi cab driver number three. <laughs> okay. So the very fact yeah. that you knocked the 10 doors when you told yourself you were going to do it, you should be increasing your car. This is not – listen, life is not about overcoming things. This is a misnomer in personal development. Listen, if your whole life is always about overcoming things, you're always going to have things to overcome. That's not how it works. It's happening for you. And so you're not overcoming this rejection you're getting. You are building your self-confidence. Stop obsessing over what the taxi cab driver thinks of you. Because guess what? The minute you leave there, he's not thinking of you. He's thinking of what you're thinking of him. (laughs) Okay? The majority of people are not Uh, thinking about you. Quit giving yourself so much credit. They're thinking about what you're thinking about them. And so if you could be the one person in the room who's not thinking about what people are thinking about you, you're winning because they're all thinking about what you're thinking about them. So I promise you that's the win. I love when I walk in a room, I know I'm not thinking about what you're thinking about me. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, exactly. And I know you are thinking about what I'm thinking about you. (laughs) Oh, man. I love so much of what you just said there, Ed. One thing I really want to pull out of that is uh, something that I train on a lot, which is I'll ask people that question fairly frequently just to get feedback and stuff. And I get the whole like, well, imagine the worst case scenario type thing. Like if you don't ask, you're already in the worst case scenario because if they say no, it's the same result if you didn't ask to begin with, right? But then I I always add to that. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely, definitely accurate. But so the caveat that I always put into that is I would even argue that you're not even in the same position when somebody tells you no that you were if you wouldn't have asked because exactly what you just said, you just made a deposit into your self-confidence bank. You are getting better at hearing that. You are getting better at being able to handle that the next time around. Would you agree with that? Yes. And by the way, why do you think, yes, you're so right. Okay. Think back for a second, everybody. Why is it that people that stay in something longer are more successful? <laughs> is it? Why is that? It's because they've made more deposits yeah. and they've made more deposits in their self-confidence. It's, if you look at whatever company you're involved with, probably the people who have been there longer are doing better than the people that are there newer overall. Mm-hmm right? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Just overall, there's always hot shots that come in and do great. It's because they've made all these effort deposits over time that they eventually develop the self-confidence. Never mind the fact that most businesses are numbers businesses now. Most businesses are high volume. And most people that get into most businesses measure results on too small a sample size. So they make a determination of whether something works for them based on a very small sample size. That's not how it works. You got to run large sample sizes in order to prove the validation of your business model and yourself. And so stop making decisions, judgments, and assessments on small sample sizes. Large sample sizes are required in order to win in anything anyway. And that's what most people, at least in my business, they play so small in numbers. And by the way, here's the other problem. When you play really small numbers, the few appointments you do have are so meaning for you, the rejection hurts 10 times more. Yes, yes. I have this saying that I say, 
If you need me, you can't lead me. If when you're engaging with somebody, they sense you need them. And by the way, the way you'd be needy is you don't have a lot of appointments after them. Right. And when you don't have a lot of appointments after them, you can say the exact same sentence as I can, but I have five appointments after that one. <laughs> they sense I don't need them. There's an attractiveness, a magnetism, a pull power to being busy. Mm-hmm. But if I think you need me, you can't lead me and you can't persuade me. And so that's the problem. Your sample size is too small, so you're not getting the right results. And because your sample size is too small, there's this little vibe you're putting off that's needy and people repel from that. So big question here, Ed, and if you can expound on this, it'd be awesome. Is this exclusive to a certain personality type? And if not, what can somebody that's sitting here thinking, well, that's you, Ed, and that's you, Travis, and that's set aside for people like you guys, because your personality is this, this, and this, and I'm just not that way. What would, you, yeah. what would be your advice to that person? Yeah, I would say, I don't know what type of personality you think you have or I have. So when you're hearing me talk now, I have a deep voice, I'm intense, I'm excitable, mm-hmm. but I, I do want to share with you that I am probably more introverted than you. Probably. That's exactly how I am, yeah. Me too. I'm extremely shy. And by the way, part of it's my parents' fault. But when I was a little boy, when I was a little boy, I did have a tendency to be quiet. But then my parents started to say, my dad's name is Ed also. So I was introduced my entire life, I'm talking about into my teenage years, is this is little Eddie, he's shy. And so my parents <laughs> constantly introduced me. So guess what? I took on that identity. Right. So right. to this day, when people meet me in public, they know me from social media stuff, I think they're struck by how shy I am, how quiet I am. And by the way, when you grow up with an alcoholic dad, my dad's, by the way, my best friend. He's been sober for 30 years. But when you grow up with an, a dysfunctional family, like many of your listeners do, so many of us come from dysfunctional families of some type, right? Mm-hmm. So I have a dysfunctional family. I'm small, naturally. I'm not a big guy. I'm shy. Plus, I'm introduced this way. I was bullied a little bit as a kid. I'm a very insecure person, naturally, extremely insecure. I fight that to this day. I think when you meet people who are experts on self-confidence who have to work on themselves, typically they are people that come from such a low place. It's a muscle they've had to build just to function as a person, right? So I've had to build this to function as a human, okay? And so I don't think your personality is different than mine. I'm introverted. I'm shy. Here's what I have developed in my life. You get me talking about certain sports teams that I love. My faith, my family, and certain things as it comes to business, if I believe it and I'm passionate about it, you're going to get that sense from me, okay? Mm -hmm. But beyond that, I'm one of the quietest people you'll ever meet. If I run into you, we went to high school together, and I saw you at a mall. It's sad, too, to this day. I'll go hide in the store (laughs) just because of the interaction. My wife will tell you when we travel, we travel to the best places in the world. I beg her, can we just do room service and be together to this day? I'd rather have dinner in the room with my wife and spend every minute with her than I would be in a restaurant that's in public. And we have to fight it because she wants to go out. My wife likes to go out, right? And I'm introverted. So don't assume successful people's personalities are different than you. And I will say this to you. I'm struck often. In fact, it surprises me. The majority, this is a bold statement too, the majority of the successful people I know are natural introverts. It surprises me. Most of them are natural introverts. When we get around to dinner together, we're comfortable with one another because we're all the same way. Right. So our personalities aren't any different than yours in that regard. I've done a lot of talking and mentoring on rejection and how to handle rejection and why it's necessary to learn how to handle rejection to have thick skin in the business world. And so for those of you who don't know, I've knocked on thousands of doors. I've done a, a lot of door-to-door sales in my day, starting with solar, then did alarms for a while. 
and then ending in a water purification industry. And so I've been told no lots and lots and lots of times. And then now with the podcast, learned a whole new definition of the word no um, by reaching out to potential guests and being turned down by people that I actually respect and admire. So I've, I've been rejected all over, all, all across uh, just so many different ways by so many different people in so many different forms. And so I have a lot to say on this particular topic. I am excited for you to jump in and give it a quick listen. So enjoy my talk on rejection. Give me some feedback. Let me know what you thought and uh, hope that you get something out of it. Hey, hey, what's up, everybody? My name is Travis Chapel. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm going to be talking about why overcoming rejection is necessary in your business. You know, I've found that more often than not, one's ability to handle rejection is directly correlated to the level of success that they achieve in their business and really in their life. So before we get started, I want to kind of set the stage here. This is not your typical talk on rejection. I'm not going to sit here and tell you to learn to love no's because the goal of handling rejection is not to love it. All right. That's absolutely ridiculous. It's crazy. I don't care who you are. Everyone gets rejected and no one loves how it feels. <laughs> Nobody likes to actually get rejected. I mean, Tim Ferriss in his new book, Tribe of Mentors, has a whole entire chapter on different people who rejected him when he asked them to be a part of his book. Okay, this is Tim Ferriss that we're talking about here. And it's a book that has advice from literally some of the most successful people in the world. I mean, A-list celebrities, athletes, billionaires, all these kinds of people. And he got rejected by several people. And when you hear him talk about it, it did not make him feel good. So the goal here is not to make you love rejection or love a no. It's basically just to make you as comfortable with rejection as possible so that you have a higher tolerance for it than most people do. So I'm going to talk about three different ways that you can grow your ability to handle rejection. So let's go ahead and get to it. Number one, conviction. Conviction is the part of the process that simply gets you comfortable enough to go for the ask in the first place. Because if you don't even ask, you can't get rejected. You don't give anybody the opportunity to reject or accept whatever you may have to offer. And there's, there's a couple of things you need to be convinced of in order to get started. Number one, you need to be convinced of your product or your service or your company, whatever that means to you. You have to be convinced of that. And I'll give you for an example. So I've done a lot of door-to-door sales, a lot of retail sales, and I've sold a lot of different products over a few different industries. But this one time, I remember trying to sell window jobs, construction jobs, like roofing, siding, insulation, gutters, all that kind of stuff. And to be honest, I just didn't really believe in our price point. The company was a great company. The products were great products. But it seemed like we were constantly a 30 to 40% markup on the competition. And some of them, there was a very good reason for it because they had horrible warranties and stuff like that. But a lot of the ones that had the good stuff that was very comparable to how we were, and we were still 30, 40% higher, when somebody would tell me no, I basically would just be like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> to be honest with you, I probably wouldn't do it either. And I'm the one that's trying to sell this stuff. So I didn't have a belief in the product. Okay. Now, now remember that there's a difference between a belief and a passion. You don't have to be passionate about it in order to be able to be convinced of it. Um, you just have to have a certain level of belief that allows you to overcome that fear of going in for the ask. Um, so you got to be convinced of your product, your service, your company, whatever it may be. And the second thing you need to be convinced of is your what and your why. And let me explain what I mean by that. We've 
all heard Simon Sinek talk about your why. If you haven't, you should definitely look up his stuff. His book, Start With Why, is fantastic. He has a TED Talk on it. He is the go-to authority on this topic, if you ask me. So basically, the concept of your why is having a deeper meaning or purpose behind everything that you do. So whenever you get that nervous feeling of, man, I don't want to go in for this ask. I don't want to ask this person this question. Your why should be the thing that you can look back into the archive of your brain and say, you know what, there's a deeper purpose behind this, you know, whether it's your family or a legacy that you want to leave, whatever that might be for you, it's going to be different for everybody. But you need to have a good grasp on what your why is. And if you want to learn how to find that, you should definitely look up some of Simon Sinek's stuff. But I said your what as well, because I believe that you don't even really have to look as deep as your why is for most of the scenarios that you uh, run into. I don't know about you guys, but for me, my why, it is a really deep emotional part of me. So when I look at my why, it's something that makes me really think. It makes me really introspective and not really as productive because I don't really want to take a bunch of time to think about something that makes me feel that deep about life and stuff. So I just remember my what. A what could be something super simple, just the amount of money that you're going to make on this deal or the how this product or service or whatever that you're providing is going to help your customer do better in, in their life, in their workout practices, whatever it may be. So you're having a good understanding of your what and your why. You have to be convinced of those things. Now, this is a really, really big one. You have to be convinced of the worst case scenario principle. If you can grasp this, this will immediately help your ability to overcome rejection because the worst case scenario principle says that the only way to really make sure that you lose in a situation is to not ask. Okay. So let's say your favorite celebrity walks by, your favorite singer or musician or actor or actress walks by, and you really want to get a picture with them. And if you ask, there are two possible outcomes. Number one, they say yes, and you get a picture with them. Or number two, they say no, and you don't get a picture with them. But if you don't ask, I can guarantee that you will 100% not get a picture with them because I guarantee that they're not going to go offer to take a picture. Okay. So you're in the same situation, regardless of if you asked and they said no, or if you didn't ask to begin with. And I would even argue that if they say no, you just got a little bit better at asking and did something out of your comfort zone. So you made yourself better. Okay. You only have things to gain if you ask. So number one, conviction, you got to be convinced of all those things, the product, your service, your what, your why, you got to be convinced of the worst case scenario in order to be able to ask. Okay. So number two is consistency. You got to ask a lot. Okay. This is probably the most difficult part of this process because this is where you'll probably go through the most rejection. You're in the learning phase. This is the part of the process where you'll need to make up in numbers what you lack in skill. So for instance, I've done a lot of door-to-door sales in my day. And every time I bring out a new rep on the doors, I really want that person to perform just as well as I do that day. Okay. So if I'm training a brand new door-to-door sales rep, somebody that literally has done no sales before. You took them from being a barista at Starbucks and now they're knocking doors. And I want them to have a sale that day and I want to have a sale that day. The bottom line is that they're going to have to knock on a lot more doors than I will because they've never done it before and I've done it a lot. So during this time, this consistency phase, you have to make up in numbers what you lack in skill. And during this time, you need to focus on all the yeses instead of the noes because you will get yeses. It's a numbers game. Someone will say yes, okay? But the only reason that you need to remember any of the noes is to learn from them. So focus on the yeses because what you focus on is what you attract more of, okay? So number one is conviction. Number two, consistency. And lastly, confidence. Number three is confidence. You have to ask the right way a lot. This is by far the most important part of the process. And I left it for last because I want this to be the last thing that you think about when you're done listening. Imagine your confidence level is like a bank account. 
the more confidence that you have in your account, the better you are at asking and getting the result that you want. So your only job is to make sure that your confidence account is full at all times. Listen, every time you get rejected, there's a withdrawal from that account. I don't care who you are. I can guarantee that Tim Ferriss's confidence account took a few hits when he was writing that book and got rejected by some of those people that he really looked up to and admired and respected. But luckily, there are a lot of ways to deposit into that account. And that's kind of what I want to leave you with to think about. The first way is to get better. The more you learn and practice what you're doing, the more you raise the level of confidence in your account. It's just that simple. Remember to never stop educating yourself. Look, formal education can make you a living, but self-education can make you a fortune. So get better because that's going to help you deposit more into that confidence account. Okay, so number two is get more yeses. While every time you get rejected takes a hit on your account, every time you get the yes, you make a deposit in that account. Okay, so the key here is to mitigate that withdrawal by doing the first two things that we talked about, by having the consistency and by having the conviction. If you can implement those two things, then that withdrawal is going to be a little bit less every single time. You'll still always have a withdrawal. Your goal is just to make it as little as possible. And then when you focus on those yeses, that makes those yeses even bigger deposits than the noes make withdrawals. So number one, get better. Number two, get more yeses. And then lastly, and most importantly, the number one way to grow your confidence account. If you have not gotten anything from this so far, this is the thing to listen to. The number one way to grow your confidence account is to keep the promises that you make to yourself. You are not who you are. You are who you believe yourself to be. And every time that you go back on your own word to yourself, you subtract your belief in you. Every time you keep a promise that you've made to yourself, you add to that belief. Okay, so this could be in anything in life, not just in your business or in your sales practice. Okay, if you say that you're going to get up early, do it. If you say you're going to fast for three days, do it. If you say you're going to read a book a week, do it. There's no faster or more efficient way to gain self-confidence than to do that. So have conviction. You have to ask. Be consistent. You got to ask a lot and be confident. You got to ask the right way. Well, that's it for today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. You hear my guests and I talk a lot about masterminds here on Build Your Network. They are literally what I attribute most of the new quality relationships in my life to. If this is a new term to you or you've always kind of wondered exactly what a mastermind is or what it does or how much they are, how to find one, all those types of details, you are definitely going to want to take my free mastermind course. It is everything you need to know about masterminds in just six short lessons. It's 100% free, so there's literally no reason to not at least see what it's about. Just head over to travischapel.com to grab that course and start today. Have a fantastic rest of your day and remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.